Inside, it's comfortable. Inside a house, inside a family, inside a routine. But what if we widen our view beyond the fence across the street? Outside, we find people struggling with loneliness, poverty, families that don't look like ours, or without a safe family at all. Jesus didn't call us to live by our neighbors. He called us to love our neighbors. Good morning. Uh, let's try this. I'm excited to be here. How about you? All right. Good stuff. Uh, we are continuing our series, How to Neighbor. We're in week three of that. And uh, this week, I was thinking about how much I love movies. Who else loves movies in here? Yeah, I love movies. I love everything from like the big popcorn flicks like Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy to like the little bit more artistic flicks. Uh, this week I took my wife Kristen to go see La La Land and hopefully that bought me some good bonus points. Uh, guys, so if you want to get some points, take your wife to a musical. Uh, but that was good. But I, I love all kinds of movies. And uh, because I'm, I'm a little bit of a, of a geek, I like to study kind of different uh, patterns in movies, arch types, that kind of stuff. Like I love I'm, I'm man enough to admit this. I love romantic comedies, some of them. Any fans of, like, You've Got Mail? Love You've Got Mail. Serendipity? Yeah. You've Got Mail is one of my favorite movies. I'm willing to admit that. Uh, but there's always in romantic comedies, there's the meet cute. That's what it's called, the meet cute. They literally, a lot of times, like, bump into each other, or they have some kind of cute meeting, or he saves her from something, or whatever. And then you'll see that in, in romantic comedies. There's the meet cute. Uh, then in, like, adventure stories where you have to care about a character, there's always, they, they call it, he has to save the cat. The, the protagonist, the hero, has to do some kind of good deed in the first, like, ten minutes of a movie. So we actually care about that character, so we care about what happens to him. Uh, and so that's what it's called in the industry, is it's got to save the cat. And so if you have, like, kids or you watch Pixar movies, if you watch The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible literally saves the cat in, in, in the beginning uh, out of the tree, which is kind of a nod to that, like, you got to save the cat. It's kind of funny. Uh, another... Whoa, that was crazy. Uh, that's on me, not on the sound guy. Sorry. Uh, another thing is, is there's this, this whole um, kind of flow of, of a story of adventure. And there's actually a writer named Joseph Campbell back in 1949. And he, he studied all these different stories and myths. And he came up with what's called the hero's journey. He actually wrote a book about it. And really there's like 12 different phases of the hero's journey. And once you kind of study it, it's interesting. And you'll see that almost all movies in this genre follow the same pattern. I'm just going to talk about a couple of the first, first ones. Number one, it always starts with what's called the ordinary world. Life is good. Usually they're living on a farm. Wesley, before, you know, Princess Bride, he's on a farm. Luke Skywalker, he's on a farm. Everything is good. And then there's some call to adventure. And they leave, or, you know, he gets, finds a droid and says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. He's like, okay, I got to go on this adventure. Then there's the refusal of the call. No, I can't do that. I've got life or things going on. And then they meet the mentor. And the mentor is the one that kind of spurs them into going to action. And as you watch movies, you'll see this again and again and again, the same kind of pattern. There's like eight more. And I was thinking about these kind of these mentors who help us on our journey. When we're kind of living in the ordinary world, there's this call to adventure. Like, I don't know if I can do that. We meet these mentors. Uh, some of my favorite movies have these. Uh, back in the 80s, this is the only Karate Kid movie I recognize. Uh, do you remember Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi? You got a picture? Yeah, love that. Wax on, wax off. Uh, and then we've got a little bit newer, Harry Potter and Dumbledore. Dumbledore helps Harry kind of on his hero's journey. Uh, then you've got one of the greatest movies ever, uh, Lord of the Rings with Frodo and Gandalf. Yeah, love Gandalf. Um, and then a uh, great movie from the late 90s. We have uh, uh, Morpheus 
and Neo, and Morpheus helps Neo. You are the one on his quest. Uh, and then we have Luke Skywalker. And if you follow Star Wars, it's like George Lucas just read um, Joseph Campbell's book, and he's like, all right, here's my script for my movie. And he follows this exactly. And Luke actually meets two different mentors. We have Obi-Wan Kenobi first, who helps him, yep, you, you've got to go on this adventure. Uh, and then his second mentor he meets is Yoda. And uh, I love Yoda. I love the way he talks. Uh, he's just great. You know, he shows up. He's this kind of little imp. And you're not sure what to think of him, and you realize he's this wise Jedi master. And uh, there's a scene in Empire Strikes Back where Luke's X-Wing is sinking into the swamp, and then Yoda tells him to lift it out, and Luke tries, and he can't, and he's like, ah, it's too big. And Yoda tells him, you know, size matters not, and he says, judge me, not by my size, right? Remember that scene, Empire Strikes Back? If you haven't seen that movie, you should. It's like the best (laughs) movie of all time. Uh, A great movie. But Yoda, as he helps Luke on his journey, he says, you know, judge me not by my size. And he has this phrase, you know, judge not. Well, I was thinking about that, and I think that's one of the most well-known phrases from the Bible, is judge not. And uh, what we see is that people that don't even know Jesus, don't even know much about the Bible, they know the Bible says, don't judge. You know, like that's one that, you know, even if you've never been to church, you probably quoted that at someone like, Hey, don't judge me. The Bible says, don't judge. Judge me not. And uh, what we're really saying is, thou shall not write me off and then, you know, size me up and write me off. Don't do that. It's one of those popular things that we all know that Jesus said. But what does that really mean? Uh, And what I think is interesting that people use that all the time. It's like you might say, hey, I think there's something going on in your life and this isn't right. And it's like, hey, man, don't judge me. And you're like, are you judging my judging? Because that's really judgmental of you to judge my judging, right? But the question I want to ask, though, is why, why is it so easy? Why is it so easy for religious people to be so judgmental? Why is it so easy for religious people to be so judgmental? I think you look today, Christians, it's so easy for us to be judgmental. People who are Muslim, they judge us Westerners. You look, go back to ancient uh, times, we see that the, the Pharisees, they were so judgmental of Jesus and his followers. I know I've been judgmental. It's just, it's just so easy. Why is it so easy to be judgmental? Well, I think uh, there's two reasons. I think we judge because, number one, I think sometimes we get jealous. <laughs> we see, you know, hang on, I'm going to try this real quick. Chris, let me see if I can. Test, test, how are we doing? A little better? We'll see. Any better? No. All right. Wow. That's really bad. Any ideas, Chris? Oh, I don't know if I can do it. I'll try.
And it was a very controversial book because it was really going against what uh, Orthodox Christianity had been talking about for 2,000 years. And I remember I read it and had some thoughts about it, and I actually even blogged about it. And I remember people asking me, hey, what do you think about Rob Bell's book, Love Wins? And we talked. Then I remember talking to a friend about it. What do you think about Rob Bell's book? And he had a really infuriating answer. And he said, I hope he's right. Don't you? And I was like, oh boy. If I say no, (laughs) then it sounds like I'm really glad there is a hell. If I say yes, you know, or, uh, you know, I, I hope that he is right, then I feel like a heretic. I'm not sure. But it made me really think, like, how, am I excited that people are, like, going to hell? I think one of the reasons we judge people is because we're, we're jealous. Second is I think a lot of us, we're self-righteous. And really, that's, it's arrogant and it's ignorant. See, self-righteous people, what we do is we compare ourselves to others. But we keep God kind of on a leash over here. And we say, you know, I'm not going to compare myself to God's perfection because that would just be crazy talk. So God, you just sit over here. You're tame. You're over here. But you know what? How do I compare to Matt? Uh, okay, so I, uh, Justin, how am I? Uh, I'm gonna, okay, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know. And we compare ourselves to others, but never kind of compare ourselves to God's holy, perfect standard. And see, self-righteous people are very very rarely self-aware. They don't see how they match up against God's perfection. And so we judge oftentimes because we're jealous or we're self-righteous. But see, when Jesus said, judge not, that wasn't all that he said. That was actually the beginning of a conversation. And I think that many of us who have read these words of Jesus, to judge not, I think we haven't fully grasped what Jesus really meant. And being totally honest, this week as I studied this and I prepared for this message, I think I didn't quite fully understand what Jesus was saying until this week and as I did some study. And so that's what we're going to talk about. What did Jesus really mean when he told us to judge not? Well, here at Mosaic, we like to go through books of the Bible. And uh, last year we went through the book of Genesis and then Ephesians, and now we're working our way through the book of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 6. That's where we are as we work our way slowly through Luke. Uh, you, you can also look up the Bible verses on your phone or this, the words will be appear on the slide behind me. We're Luke chapter 6, verse 37 through 38. And Jesus says this. He says, judge not. You know, I think people would read that and say, thou shall not confront me or criticize me or compare me to anyone. Don't compare me to my sister or my brother or anyone. Just, just don't judge me. And people like to say kind of, judge not, period, end of the story. Uh, The problem is that when Jesus said this, he didn't say judge not, period, end of discussion. He said judge not, and there's a comma. So let's read on. He says, judge not, comma, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. What Jesus is saying is that what judgment you use, that's how you will be judged. And what measure you use, that's the measure that will be used against you. He's really saying, judge unto others as you would have others judge unto you. Important question. If you're going to be judged, how do you want to be judged? How do you want to be judged? Let's be honest. I'd prefer to be judged not. (laughs) 
That'd be my first choice. But if you have to judge me, I want you to judge me mercifully. See, I want you to not just judge me as you see me up here on stage holding this microphone, which I'm not used to doing. I want you to take into account my whole story, my whole family of origin. Maybe you grew up and your parents were separated and you didn't have an example of a good dad in your life. And you're like, you know what? If you're going to judge me, I want to take that into account. I want you to take into account my whole story, where I was raised, kind of what I've been through, what people have done to me. Like for me, I want you to take into account that when I was in high school, I got my front tooth knocked out three times playing soccer and some other things, and so they had to rebuild my front tooth. And because of that, I was a little self-conscious, and I didn't smile much in high school, and so I've learned to not smile. So take that into account when you're judging me. Why does Eric look so serious? Well, he's a little self-conscious about his mouth because his teeth got knocked out. (laughs) If you're going to judge me, take into account my whole story. That's how I think we all feel is that if you're going to judge me, don't just judge me based on this one tattoo or bad hair day, or you saw me working some job. Kind of take into account my whole story. So Jesus goes on. What does this mean as we're judging? Verse 39, he says, He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye we're like, whoa, whoa, Jesus, okay, this is the part I like. Yeah, so you're right. I knew there was something off about that person. They do have a speck in their eye. There is something wrong with them. Like, I was looking at them. I was like, what? There's something in their eye? I think so. Yeah, there is something there. Okay, good. I'm glad, Jesus, you agree with me. There's something in there. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on. Let's, we we got to read on here. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. And I love Jesus. He, he was a funny guy. And he liked to use, like, take things, like, to the extreme. And he's like, yeah, you, you notice the little sawdust in their eye. But how have you not noticed the giant log sticking out of your eye? And it's, like, there. And you're, like, knocking into people because this log is hanging out of your eye. People are kind of laughing, like, that's ridiculous. How could you get a whole log in your eye? And Jesus says, why are you paying so much attention to the speck in their eye? You got this giant log in your eye. Why do we do that? I think it's actually an easy question to answer. Number one, I think it's, it's more fun to look at the sawdust in your brother's eye than to kind of see what's wrong with my own eye. It's easier on me. It, it's, it's, the reason we notice what's wrong with others is that it distracts us from what's wrong with ourselves. And number two, I think some of us would say, you know what? I didn't even realize I had this log in my eye. I've walked my whole life you know, the way I was raised, the kind of this, my story, my family of origin, I've had this log for as long as I know. I didn't even realize it's there. I didn't even realize there's something wrong with me. I thought I was just kind of a perfect person. And Jesus says to us, he says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? And Jesus is saying, how dare you look at what's wrong with your brother and ignore what's wrong with yourself? Then he kind of punctuates things with a word that we're like, ooh, Jesus, oh, careful now. You're getting a little mean here. I like sensitive Jesus who's always kind and nice. And he says, you hypocrite. It's like, ooh, ouch, Jesus, come on. No, let's talk about loving each other again. This is harsh. And a hypocrite by Jesus' definition is someone who's more interested in fixing someone else but refuses to fix what's wrong in their own life. This is harsh, but it's true. See, I have issues, and you have issues. We all have stuff going on. So maybe, maybe what Jesus is trying to tell us, 
is that I should focus on my stuff. You should focus on your stuff. And, and then the world will be a much better place, right? Maybe the lesson Jesus is trying to teach us, let's throw up that slide. Maybe the lesson Jesus is teaching us is, mind your own business. And then the world will just be better. You don't worry about me. I don't worry about you. Just mind your own business. That's what Jesus is saying. Judge not. Mind your own business. We're done. All right, band, you can come up. Let's pray to close. The world will be a better place. Mind your own business. No, I, I don't think that's what he's saying. See, Jesus doesn't stop there. In fact, here's where he's gonna start his lesson. See, there's also not a period after you hypocrite. There's a comma there. And he says, first, you hypocrite, first, I think it sounds like Jesus is going to kind of give us a list here of things to do. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly. Oh, okay, okay, now I get it, Jesus. Now I get it. See, when I see how messed up Ryan is, that will make me realize how messed up I am. And when I see his messed upness, that'll help me to examine my messed upness and help me become a better person and I'll be less of a mess. And this is so helpful. Thank you. So I think maybe this is what Jesus is trying to teach us. Go to the next slide. When I'm tempted to patch, pass judgment upon thee, I should stop and check for traces in me. That's what Jesus is trying to teach, teach us is that, you know, when we see what's going on in your life, then that leads me to examine what's going on in mine and I'll become a better person. That's what Jesus is trying to teach us, right? Except Jesus said, first. And if Jesus says, first, what do we need to ask? It's not not a trick question here. What do we need to ask? What's second? What comes next after Jesus says, first? He says, first, take the log out of your own eye. And I become a better person because I can see clearly now. But here's the thing. And if you've been sitting there this morning and you're like, what is he talking about? I'm so lost. Come back with me, and here, here you go. See, this is the heart of the matter. This is the heart of Christianity, and what I hope you never forget is that following Jesus never stops with what's in it for me. Following Jesus is never just about what's in it for me. It never stops there. It never ends with just what's in it for you. Following Jesus is about leveraging what Jesus has done in me, what Jesus has done for me, for the sake of other people. Because the center of Jesus' teaching is love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. See, when I look at the mess in your life, and that leads me to look at the mess in my life, that's not the end. That's not what following Jesus is all about. Jesus says this, you hypocrite, comma, first take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So the problem with just minding my own business, it does nothing for the person whose business needs minding. The problem with you seeing something in me, and that's simply motivating you to be a better person, is that it does nothing for me. See, suddenly Jesus kind of flips everything on its head, turns it inside out, and he says, it's not simply about leaving people alone. It's not simply about minding your own business. That's not all there is here. It's about getting to the place where you can appropriately approach someone about the stuff going on in their life. To which we say, whoa, Jesus, that sounds super judgmental. What do you mean? Jesus says, no, it's not. See, Jesus commands us to address our mess 
to deal with what's going on in us, to take out that log in our eye, but not just for our own sake. Jesus commands us to address our mess in order to prepare us to help others with their issues. Jesus says, yes, address the mess. Pull out the log of your eye so you can see clearly so that you can help other people. That's not judgmental. That's obedience to Jesus. See, this is the heart of Jesus' teaching is love one another. The problem is that our self-righteousness, our jealousy gets in the way of that. And what we need is to be self-aware enough that it will pave the kind of love that Jesus is asking us to exhibit towards one another. See, judge not doesn't equate care not. Judge not doesn't equate to act not. It doesn't mean I'm just going to mind my own business. I see you heading towards a cliff. I'm not going to say anything because that's just, I don't want to judge you. See, love forbids me sizing you up and then just writing you off. And love forbids me sizing you up and just walking away without saying anything. See, love forbids me from just minding my own business when I notice that your business needs minding. That is not judgmental. That is love. That is obedience to Jesus. And that is the essence of being a good neighbor. It's not just minding our own business in our houses when we see that our neighbors are heading towards destruction. It's not about just minding my own business when I see that you're making the same mistake that I made. And if you continue down this road, your marriage is going to end. Or you're going to just blow up your finances and you're going to end up in so much in debt. Or if you continue to be a workaholic, you're going to lose the relationship with your kids because that's what happened to me. But you know what? I'm just going to mind my own business and, and, and not talk to you about this. So let's summarize. This is what Jesus is actually teaching. He says, take the log out of your eye in preparation for removing the speck from your brother's eye. Take the log out of your own eye so you'll see clearly so that you can help your brother. And they got something in their eye that they don't even know is there. And they, they need something, someone to come alongside them and, and help them. Jesus says, judge not, but don't stop there. And I think this teaching of Jesus, it really addresses three audiences. I did this first service and it worked. And so I said, if it works first service, I'm going to try it second service. So here we go. Uh, I want you to listen as I share one of these three audiences. And I think we all fit into one of these three categories and maybe even multiple categories. Number one, you hear this and your tendency is you size people up and then you write them off. You size people up and you say, you know what? That person's hopeless. I just write them off. They're, they're broken. They're too broken. I'm just whatever. If this is you. You are self-righteous. And this is what drove Jesus crazy. When Jesus confronted self-righteous people, he, he did these crazy things like he'd made a whip. And the way he acted is sometimes you think, Jesus, are you even a Christian? <laughs> But it drove him nuts because he's like, the Jesus who died for our sin is saying, how can you be like that? If you're like me and you grew up in the church, this is probably your tendency. And here's what you and I need to do. We need to repent of our own self-righteous. See, if the sin of others doesn't break your heart, if when you see people heading toward destruction and death and it doesn't break your heart, then your heart probably hasn't been broken by your own sin. You haven't realized the depth and depravity of the way that 
you have sinned against God, how you've sinned against a perfect standard. Because you've just judged yourself against others and you've seen all these people with messed up lives and you're like, oh, man, I'm glad I'm so much better than them. If the sin of others doesn't break your heart, then you need to pray. You need to repent of your self-righteousness. And that's your step to take this morning. You need to repent. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Number two, you size people up and then you just walk away. You see people with issues and you think, man, there go I, but for the grace of God, I am so glad I haven't made those same mistakes. You know what? God, I'm gonna pray for that person and I'm gonna pray that they get some help, but no way am I gonna talk to them. Uh Uh-uh, that would be judgmental. That's not for me to say something. I see that they're heading towards destruction. They're heading towards going off a cliff, but I would never say anything. See, Jesus says, it's not about just minding your own business. It is your business. Confronting people about their stuff is not insensitive. Confronting people is what love requires of you. It's, when Jesus says, when we take out that log, we can see clearly now. It's like, I can see clearly now, the plank is gone. But it's not just for our own benefit. It's so that we can help our brother remove the speck from their eye. See, God has done something in your heart and in your life and you can see clearly. And you can see someone in your small group or in your neighborhood or at your job and you see the habit that they're doing. You see the tendencies they're doing and you realize they're heading towards a cliff. You can see clearly, not just for your own benefits, but for the sake of those around you to confront them, to deal with difficult situations. That's what love requires of us. Love doesn't size people up and just walk away. If that's true, if that's you, you don't need to repent. You need to confront someone. Maybe this morning, even as I'm talking, you know there's someone you're doing life with. There's someone in your small group, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker, and you see, man, if they keep having lunch with that person, they're going to start developing attraction and it's going to develop an unhealthy relationship and they're going to lose their marriage. Maybe there's someone in your small group and you just say, man, if they keep working at that pace, they're going to burn themselves out. It's not going to be good but you've hesitated to confront someone. You felt like that was judgmental. And your step to take is not to repent of your self-righteousness, it's to confront that person. This isn't just the pastor's job, because Nate and I could spend all day long confronting people and they'd be like, yeah, whatever, we've heard that before. But when you're doing life with people in a small group, you know, uh, your kids are on a team together, Your kids go to the same school. You work with them, a neighbor, and you see something in their life. What being a good neighbor means, what love means is not just walk away. It's to confront them in love and say, hey, I'm concerned about this in your life. Number three, maybe this morning you've been sized up, you felt judged, and when someone has confronted you, you refuse to listen. Maybe someone has come to you about something in your life And you've written them off as just being judgmental. You said, you have no right to judge me. But in your heart, you knew there was some truth there. In your heart, you knew they were onto something. You knew you needed to change. Here's what I've learned is that defensiveness, when you say, no, no, I'm not gonna listen to you. Defensiveness ensures that your past will continue to show up in your future. When we're defensive, when we don't let anyone address the mess in our lives and, and we don't listen to what they might say, it ensures that our past is going to continue to show up in our future. We're going to continue to make the same mistakes. See, here's the thing, is that no one confronts someone else perfectly. 
doesn't matter how much you prepare. doesn't matter how much you practice. When you go to talk to someone about what is going on in their life, you are not going to do it perfectly. And when someone comes to you and confronts you, it's not going to be done perfectly. They're going to, you know, offend you or do something. And so easy, we just want to write people off because like, man, the way they did that, they weren't very nice and I don't like how they said that. We get defensive. But if you continue to be defensive, you're going to assure that your past is going to continue to determine your future. And if that's you, your application is you need to listen. Because they're not being judgmental. They took a risk to love you the way that Jesus requires us to love one another. So here's what we're going to do. We did first service and I said, this is crazy. We're going to try this out. All right? Is we're going to put that list back up there of the three audiences. And this morning, I'm going to have you raise your hand. Because we're a family. We love each other. We're not going to judge each other, right? We all fall into one of these three categories. And when you say, that's me, I want you to raise your hand. All right? This is crazy. First service did it, so I believe in you. Number one, you fall into this category mostly. You size people up and then write them off. Yeah. Yep. Quite a few of us. Number two, you size people up, but you don't want to confront them. You're just, ah, I'm not going to talk to them. And you just walk away. That you? First service, I did two hands. Even as a pastor, hard one. You see people heading down something, you're like, ah, oh, I can't talk to them. Number three, you've been sized up. Maybe someone's confronted you about something, but you refuse to listen. Is that you? Yeah. Probably a lot of us, all three of these hit us. Here's my prayer. That we would know when we need to repent. We would know who we need to confront. And we would know when we need to listen. And that together, as a community, in small groups, as we do life together, we would help each other to take out the logs in our eyes so we can see clearly, not just for our own benefit, but so that we can see clearly to help each other remove the specks from each other's eyes. That's what being a good neighbor is. That's what love requires. That's how we one another, one another. We begin to neighbor each other. That's my prayer for us this morning. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite the band to come on up. I hope this morning that what you heard was, was helpful. Um, I know for me it was convicting as I prepared this week. Because honestly, I think I, I've read this as like, you know what, mind my own business. And realizing that Jesus tells us, take out that log so that you will see clearly to help your brother remove the speck from their life. We don't want to be a family, a church that we just mind our own business and watch each other head off cliffs and make mistakes. We want to be a community that loves one another, that helps each other when we can't see the blind spots in our own life. To say, you know what? There's something I've seen in your life. I want to talk to you about that. And when we have someone, a brother or sister who loves us enough to come talk to us, and it's scary and when our first response is to be defensive, to say, oh, you know what? I'm going to listen. I'm going to be open. Because I know they took a risk to love me enough to try to 
Help me address the mess in my life. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Jesus, how he came and, and, and he taught us and showed us the way to live. God, I pray that each one of us, God, you would illuminate within us the logs that are sticking out of our eyes, maybe that we don't even see. God, that you would help us to know how to remove those logs so we could see clearly, not just for our own benefit, that we would see clearly to know how to love each other, how to help each other address our messes. God, we, we want to be the kind of community where we are loving one another. We're not just minding our own business. Uh, God, that we can help each other on this journey because so many of us, we all have blind spots and we can't see. So God, help us to know uh, when there's someone we need to talk to and say, you know what, when you emailed me that way, it, it really hurt me because of how you came across. Or there's someone in our life that we know, hey, I'm concerned about how much you're working or uh, by this behavior or how much you're drinking or hanging out with this relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. God, give us the courage to uh, not just mind our own business, but to love one another. Thank you, Jesus.